Welcome to Friends of the Force. I am your host, Brad Whipple, and this is your Star Wars podcast for positivity and collaboration. Joined here today by Gina Sanders and Carl Hassler from Unmistakably Star Wars, and we are talking about some hot, juicy news in the Star Wars universe this week. A lot of things got shaken up, and we're, we're here to talk about it. So how are you guys doing today? Doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having us here, Brad. How are you doing, Gina? I'm I'm well as well. Thank you for having us. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> of course, yes. So I'm, I'm excited to be talking about this stuff. Now, before we get started, did you guys want to give a little introduction to yourself on where you fit into this Star Wars podcasting community? Uh, Go ahead, sure. Gina, you first. <laughs> okay, I was going to say you first. Um, <laughs> so as mentioned, I'm Gina. Uh, I've been a part of Unmistakably Star Wars for I think about a year now. I found Star Wars in 2015 with The Force Awakens and then got into the Twitter community. And from the Twitter community, I found the podcasting community and it has been home ever since. All right. And I and I am I love to hear Gina's story, too, because, I, you know, I am the opposite. I have I was born in 1970, so I was just the right age to see A New Hope when it came out. Uh, my favorite movie. Uh, I loved it at the time and just loved all Star Wars since then. And so I'm gl- and as as you get older you kind of wonder well are other people or younger people going to get into it so I love to hear when people who are not like me get into it it just means it's strong and it's universal and it'll keep going and as far as podcasting I just was friends with uh, Devin Cleffer's friend Jeremy who helped both together started unmistakably Star Wars and just listening to them and and communicating with Jeremy I slowly uh, kind of worked my way in and got to be on every once in a while and I just love talking about Star Wars yeah, it's it's a fun thing to talk about. It's certainly not dead, as many people might uh, try to argue. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, Carl, last time I at least had talked with you was my first appearance on Unmistakably Star Wars. That was a really fun episode, actually. So it's been a little bit here since since we've interacted. So super happy to have you and and Gina. You're you both are first comers on Friends of the Force here, and we're all part of the same yes. network, which is really fun. So it's finally getting finally getting that uh, uh, yeah. inner network love, mingling going. Glad on. that you're so uh, that's with, a lot of fun. with us, you know. So you know, love listening to you too. So enjoyed being on the uh, when you came on Unmistakably Star Wars. So glad to be on yours yeah. as well. So. We are going to be talking about Benioff and Weiss. They are out, or as I actually put it in the Google Doc, Benioff and Wise out. I just realized that now, but typos <laughs> are the funniest sometimes, although they were not so wise in some of the decisions that they made possibly. So we are talking about that and more today. So we will be breaking this up into four different parts. We will discuss our initial reactions to the news, kind of the build up to this exit and when it started, some of the factors that went into it. We'll discuss Kathleen Kennedy's leadership at Lucasfilm, and we'll also see what happens with Star Wars in 2022, because without the Benioff and Weiss films, there's a big question mark over what's coming next. Even though we know it's still coming that year, we don't know who or what is involved with it, so we're going to try to take a guess at it, poke a stick, and see what fits. So now, Monday night, this is kind of strange you two. So the news broke at like 12 o'clock at night. I don't know when you mm-hmm. guys were around to see it. I was particularly <laughs> about to go to bed. I was like, you know, finally going to get a good night's rest today. Going to wake <laughs> up for work tomorrow, seven hours of sleep. And then I checked my phone one last time, which never is always the back, mistake. No. You never want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and little do I know, mm. Benioff and Weiss are out. And Deadline first reported it. Benioff and Weiss said, we love Star Wars. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. 
Getting to talk about Star Wars with him and the current Star Wars team was the thrill of a lifetime, and we will always be indebted to the saga that changed everything. But there are only so many hours in the day, and we felt we could not do justice to both Star Wars and our Netflix projects, so we are regretfully stepping away. And then Kathleen Kennedy added in that report, Benioff and Weiss are incredible storytellers. We hope to include them in the journey forward when they are able to step away from their busy schedule to focus on Star Wars. So that's pretty interesting news to me. It was a lot of talk about if this would happen at some point, especially given, you know, the kind of divisiveness of the last season of Game of Thrones, which Gina, I know you're a huge Game of Thrones fan. I think you just had actually recently uh, finished watching it. Is that is that true? Yeah, so I'm actually it's so funny. I didn't do this on purpose. I'm wearing my Winterfell shirt that I wore when I met <laughs> Kit Harrington. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm in the middle of my uh 7th rewatch and I just started season 6. Oh my again. gosh. Yes. That's mm. awesome. That's a lot of rewatches. Ooh. That's like like 60 yeah. episodes and more. Yeah. It's like it's like one of my go-to. It's actually really really funny. Um, so I guess this is like a minor, I not even a minor. It's kind of a major spoiler for Game of Thrones. Um, but I was watching this one episode, and I just go, I I'm I like find myself saying, "Go on, do your duty." Then, and I was like, "Why did I? Why did I say that?" <laughs> and then like the scene happened, and Brienne of Tarth comes up to Stannis, and then he says the words, and I was like, "Oh, Gina, <laughs> you're that kind of fan who's just <laughs> quoting the show." <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, Carl, are, have you watched Game of Thrones before? Are you are you into that? Yeah, uh, I watched it all through. Yeah, and it uh, it kind of you know it was when we were at Celebration in Chicago. That's when it was starting up the last season, and it was uh, yes. kind of on everybody's mind. There, we were. I actually was an idiot. I I didn't have any kind of pass to get into the Mandalorian uh, panel, and we I stood outside, and there was a group of us that stood outside just hoping that they would let us in once it. Once it started and everybody hadn't filled up yet, or but they didn't. But the people who were out there, this the guy Mike, who was a security guy, he uh, he had a little bitty tent, uh, the canopy that he could stand under. And it, that's the day it snowed in what April. It was right. crazy. But um, so we're standing out there in the snow, freezing, and uh, so we all it just all became like we were a house tent. You know, that was our group, <laughs> and, and and we were like <laughs> bending the knee to Mike. You know, hoping that he would let us in. And it just, you know, so yeah, it was kind of funny how that mingled at Star Wars. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, very interesting show and, you know, very addictive. Yeah, I totally forgot that premiered Star Wars Celebration weekend. What a time. Mm. There was a lot happening yeah. those couple oh, days. Yeah. It was pretty overwhelming. But uh, for me, at least, this this news, my initial reaction, as much as I do love Game of Thrones, I was very happy about this. I'll be very straightforward on that. I think it was the right move based on a couple different factors, and we'll definitely get more into the, the nitty-gritty of it. But what were your your two's reaction to this news? Were you happy? Were you disappointed? Was it a mix of both? Um, I, I would was... say... Go ahead, oh, Gina. Go... Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, I was just going to say I was happy. Um, I know that we'll probably get into it later. Um, but especially after that one Twitter thread, a lot of us read, um, yeah. So especially after things like that and some other things that had come out about the Game of Thrones process, um, I, I learned that that show succeeded and it did well in spite of them, I feel like. And so when Mm -hmm. they were taken off Star Wars, I was, I was ecstatic about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That Twitter thread was a a wild ride (laughs) and I, I do have some of those, those quotes from that pulled, uh, for this episode. Now, what about you, Carl, as a as a Game of Thrones watcher yourself? Was this was this news welcomed for you? Well, when you 
you say initial thoughts, and initially I will say I was disappointed for two reasons. One is if you listen to Unmistakably Star Wars, those of you that do would know that whenever Benioff and Weiss come up, uh, Devin goes into his riff from like uh, Elton John and Benny off and Weiss. So we're going to have less opportunity to hear Devin do that. Um, and the other side of it too was just, you know, I'm I'm in the camp. I know a lot of people are like, maybe we've had too much Star Wars and we need to slow it down. I'm not. I'm in the opposite camp. I want as much as we can get. Yeah. I want all we can get. Um, and and people kind of have an idea that I guess Star Wars is good because it's rare. No, that's not why. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is good because it's quality and it's Star Wars. It's good. So we, you know, the right people doing it, if you had 10 shows or 10 movies a year, if the right people were doing them, they could all be good. So uh, I'm disappointed that it seems like it's going to be another, uh, uh, something that slows down more movies coming out. So that was for my initial reactions. Yeah. Yeah. This could jeopardize possibly the, the release schedule that we had kind of been on before. You mm-hmm. mean? Yes. Yeah. I, I do uh, I do fall into that camp too. I I want as much Star Wars as I can I can chew on, you know. And mm-hmm. I think Marvel especially has, has showed us that you can do as much as you want and still have really quality films. I mean, they're moving to what four films a year almost pretty soon here, and I'm sure a lot of those films are going to be pretty pretty great. And I'm not that Star Wars I think is ready for that <laughs> for yeah. four films a year yet, <laughs> as we saw with uh, Last Jedi and Solo within a couple months of each other, but. I do want Star Wars to, to continue living on, and I do want the right storytellers, especially. Now, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of those storytellers, so let's get into really what led into this. You know, there's a couple different factors. I think the ending of, of Game of Thrones was, was very, very divisive, and we'll talk a little bit about that here. The Netflix deal for Benioff and Weiss was another major turning point in this whole deal. I, I think of the, the Lando line for, for Kathleen Kennedy. I'm sure when she found out that news, she was saying, this deal is getting worse all the time, <laughs> as many oh, of yeah. us felt. And then there yes. was the Austin Film Festival panel that happened the, the weekend before this was announced. So I was actually thinking it might have coincided, or they might have already known by that point, that they were leaving Star Wars, which is wondering, I'm wondering maybe that's why they kind of went off the deep end. But mm. let's start with Game of Thrones. So we're all Game of Thrones fans here, especially you, Gina. You're the super fan of the group, so I'm going to pitch <laughs> this one to you first off. Now, what are your thoughts on how the show ended? So so I've actually gone through a lot of cycles about this show because it is my number one favorite show. And... Mm-hmm. Before it even ended, I asked myself because my so my favorite character is Jon Snow, which I think a lot of people can tell. <laughs> um, but when it <laughs> ended, I asked myself, "Do I want what's going to make me happy? Do I want a good, satisfying, complete ending to this show, or do I want Jon Snow to have a satisfying ending? Because those are two different things to me." Um, and right. I decided that while I want Jon to have a good and deserved ending, I wanted a really good, complete, satisfying you know, arcs and everything for all the characters. And as the show progressed, I kept, I couldn't help but think that it was rushed. Mm. Some of the plot points and the beats, I thought they make sense, but they make sense if we had like, you know, another season in between or, or all these other things. And so when it yeah. came time for the last episode, I thought I'm not mad at this because I can see all of our characters ending up here but I think they just rushed the execution. And so that's when all the rumors and things started coming in that they rushed so that they could work on Star Wars. And I said, well, I get that. It's everyone's, you know, dream to work on Star Wars. I can, I'm not okay Mm -hmm. with that, but I can kind of see that. And so then when you get all this news that now they're not even working on Star Wars, and that's allegedly what they rushed Game of Thrones for, 
I I got a little <laughs> I got a little mad. And then the other thing was, and once again, I'm I don't know if it's true or if it was just a rumor, but I heard that even um George R. R. Martin was like, you know, there's myth, there's lore, don't rush it. HBO was like, We'll order another season, we'll pay for it, the actors will like, we'll stay, we'll do another season, and they were just like, No, we don't want to. And so as more details have started coming out, I'm just like, no, I don't like that last season. I'm not one of those people who will sign the petition <laughs> yeah. just because I know people worked really hard on it and the actors put so yeah. much of themselves into it. But the more information that comes out about them, I'm just like, I'm that season no longer sits well with me. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said at the end there. There's so many other people involved on the project. So it is very easy as fans of the show, you know, to say, you know, this wasn't right. That wasn't right. Protest it. But then again, you know, like a lot of people worked really, really hard on this, the show. So, but I, I do agree though. I think, you know, D, uh, D&D, as I'll refer to them, I think they <laughs> were ultimately the ones that, you know, had to make these kinds of choices in terms of where the direction of the show went. So it is ultimately up to like, you know, the captains of the ship. You know, where are you going to steer the ship? You're going to steer it into the storm or the sunset. Where do you where do you want to go? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think for them, they they started to kind of they, they did rush it because they had they saw the next deal ahead of them, and they just wanted to move on with their lives and maybe not get the fully satisfying ending that many people wanted. But we'll we'll get into even more of that with this with this panel that they were at. So what about you, Carl? What what was your thoughts on the ending of Game of Thrones? I mean, really, I totally agree with what Gina said a lot. I mean, and I, but I'm not to the point where I don't like it, but it did seem rushed. It And it reminded me of Revenge of the Sith to a degree, too, where, you know, you can see where they have set up all the points that are going to move the characters in the direction that it's, they're going to ultimately end up, but then they don't flesh those out. And so, you know, when Anakin is immediately um, killing younglings i'm like you know that's a little that's a little quick you know he's that's a quick turnaround and kind of the same with uh, daenerys and john um there in the in the game of thrones so it's like you could see where these things were building and where the Mm -hmm. seeds had been planted um and it just it's like gosh i'd like to have seen it slowly develop there instead of just having to fill in the gaps of my mind like okay all these things were building up and so I I can fill in behind the scenes of what was really going on and now she doesn't trust him he doesn't trust her and, and that's how it ends so mm-hmm. um but I still like the ending as far as yeah. what they were going to try to do mm-hmm. yeah I, I I agree with you I like where we ended up just not necessarily the journey to mm-hmm. that point and I think the Anakin and Daenerys parallel is actually a really great one <laughs> although oh, hopefully it. there weren't any younglings in the King's Landing that, that's just <laughs> there's just too many younglings yeah, uh, to die nowadays. Can't. Oh yeah. So now this Austin Film Festival panel that they were at this last weekend is a really interesting one, and courtesy of Needle and Pen at for Aria on Twitter, this person was providing panel coverage and you know letting us know what these creators were saying and a, and a couple of points to hit on here. I actually have four of them listed down and these are very worrying for me, which is why, especially when I saw these, I really started to get under the bandwagon of we really need to get rid of these guys from Star Wars because not that they can't create great movies, but I don't want them near Star Wars at this moment. <laughs> and yeah. a, a couple here. So I'll, I'll read the first one off. Dan wanted to remove as many fantasy elements as possible because we didn't just want to appeal to that type of fan. They wanted to expand the fan base to people beyond the fantasy fan base to, quote, mothers, NFL players, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so 
this to me is saying take the song of ice and fire which is very fantasy-esque and just the title and we're taking the ice and fire out of that and then we're just making it more of a of a political thriller set in more of a medieval time Mm -hmm. which you know the next the next point here is you know they asked him did you really sit down and try to boil the elements of the new of the books down and they replied No, we didn't. The scope was too big. It was about the scenes we were trying to depict and the show was about power. So Mm -hmm. Carl, I'll throw it to you on this, on this one. So taking out the fantasy elements from game of Thrones, which, you know, you got the night King, you got the dragons, you Mm -hmm. have, uh, you know, Valar Morghulis, those guys who can transform and put new faces on. It's very, there's so much fantasy in game of Thrones. So Mm -hmm. to extract all of that from it and not really pay attention to the lore and mythology of the source material and just kind of make it this solely power struggle, even getting rid of, you know, the night King early on the mm-hmm. final season. Like what th- does this worry you in terms of, of how they were handling that final season? Um, yeah. I mean, to me, you know, some of that stuff is what makes sets it apart and makes it unique and different than other types of series or, or franchises. Um, Political uh, intrigue or, or people trying to take power can be set in any wide variety of just settings. So, you know, to kind of take out something that makes it more unique and different, we kind of make you worry that are they going to not worry about the force as much and, and try to downplay that in Star Wars, which, you know, Solo showed you don't have to have the, um, the force to be a main part of every movie. But at the same time, we don't want to just sort of like downplay it. So I, I think I would kind of worry about that if they had continued on. Yeah. And what are, what are your thoughts on, on these these two tweets, Gina? Uh, well, one of my first thoughts is actually a scene from Game of Thrones where um, Littlefinger is talking with Cersei and he tells her that knowledge is power, um, alluding to the fact that she knows about Jaime and then she has like some of her guards grab him and she goes power is power um and <laughs> and so that was just like one of my first thoughts of where do we think power lies in those types of things and i don't think david and dan truly know <laughs> honestly looking through these tweets i think they're i i agree i think that something about the decision of star wars already happened and so they were like we're just going to be out there um about it which okay so i I apologize immediately if I accidentally go on any tangents. I just feel so strongly about this show. It reminds yeah. me of when they when they won, they were at the Emmys and Peter Dinklage won and someone asked a question about the ending of Game of Thrones and they like refused to go up to to answer and it was obviously being asked of them so finally Kit Harrington did um mm. and he answered and so I was just like something and I say that to say something happened for them to want to take responsibility now because there has been instances of them saying we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones um <laughs> but, <laughs> um and just the fact that they Honestly, I was reading this quote, and I think on the surface level, you can think it's really odd that they wanted to take fantasy elements out of a fantasy story. Um, To anyone, I think that would be odd, but reading it, almost what disturbs me more is that they said we wanted to expand the fan base to people be like people beyond the fantasy fan base to mothers and NFL players. Yeah. And to me, that says, what are you thinking about who mothers and NFL players? The just those generalizations of what they can handle and what they're willing to accept. And so it was quotes like that that made me think, wow, I'm really glad they they aren't doing Star Wars. Mm -hmm. 
And it's also like, who's your audience? You know, I mean, yeah. are you are you trying to dumb down the show to, to fit a specific stereotype? Or it is very worrying, especially that, that last portion there. And it, that just gets me scared, too, in terms of not boiling down the elements of the books. If they're going to mm-hmm. take on a story like a Knights of the Old Republic and they are drawing from mm-hmm. some of that source material and they're trying to explore the origins of the Force, which was the rumored project that they were working on. That worries me. Are they going to take the force out of Star Wars? <laughs> you know, is it going to become some sort of uh, George Lucas idea where there's an almighty, uh, you know, microorganism called the wills and that controls everything? You know, it's just it's very strange to me. And and that gets me worried if they were to be involved in Star Wars. You know, don't take don't take the fantasy out of Game of Thrones and don't take the force out of Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that gets me about these quotes is they say that the scope was too big um, and, and the thought of boiling the elements of the books down and i know right now there's a really big discussion about do we like the streaming service platforms and television shows or do we want movies i know that people especially thought about that with the obi-wan um property they said would we rather have a movie or would we rather have a show where we can really get into it and i feel like the general consensus is people would rather have a television show so that we can have the time to sit with characters and get to know them and understand their Mm -hmm. motivations rather than a movie that's just like like two hours and then you're done and so the fact that they were given the the platform that most people say they want a show in order to do these things and they Mm -hmm. felt like they couldn't and yet they want a movie where most people generally think that's not where that stuff happened (laughs) is is wild to me Mm -hmm. excellent point if you couldn't do it in Mm -hmm. 75 hours how are you gonna do it in six (laughs) (laughs) you know yep that is a very excellent point gina now the the next two uh, parts of this of this panel, at least the ones that I pulled out, were they were asked what was your process, and they said we just started writing, but as things went on, we had to outline, divvied up scripts. They didn't work together in the same room. Speaking of the writers, one took first half, the other took the last half. Then they would swap. They gave episodes to Brian Cogman and David Hill, and then they were also asked about not including uh, women and people of color in the writers' room. And they said they didn't have a writer's room and there was one woman who wrote a few scenes. Okay. They decided up front it was going to be the two of them. David Hill is, a, is of Asian descent. So that seems like a pretty terrible answer on that, on that last part where they say there was one woman who wrote a few scenes. Like, you know, that, that to me is saying you're not, you're trying to kind of cover up the fact that you, that was a glaring uh, missed opportunity to invite more types of people you know, it's into a writer's room where you could have that collaboration and work on the show mm-hmm. together with all these different people with different backgrounds and different perspectives and really create something that can speak to many different audiences. So that to me got me a little worried because if they are to be involved in a Star Wars project where right now a lot of the criticism was, you know, we're, we're hiring a lot of, uh, of white dudes onto these projects and mm-hmm. are they going to hire more people uh, from different backgrounds to you know write the scripts and shoot the film and all, and you know what kinds of actors are they going to hire so uh, let's jump to you Gina what what did you think of these two comments in terms of like not having a writer's room and and kind of just divvying up the scripts and it seems like a lack of communication almost and also just a lack of a collaborative effort for such a massively acclaimed television show yeah so I'm gonna admit I I don't really know how uh, production works for television shows. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure someone listening could say, oh, well, this acclaimed television show was also written that way. It turned out, you know, universally beloved and great. Um, so I kind of 
that nothing of that makes sense to me that you would split it up like that and and not really talk and not really outline especially if you have all these books that uh George has already written um but I didn't want to like harp on that too much since I don't know how how that really happens mm-hmm. um but you can definitely tell that uh women and people of color were not included in the writers room and you can tell mm-hmm. based off how women and people of color are treated on this show um I guess I I, I want to give like a content warning. Um, I know that it's very popular, uh, but maybe people don't know the just the violence that occurs in this show. And so, if anyone's listening, I I want you to be prepared. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things I think about was Masande's death, um, and how she was a slave, and then she was set free when Daenerys got there, and then her death was they they cut off her head and she died in chains. And, and she's, um, I believe the actress is, um, she's British and she's black. And so in no way does any of that for her character and for the actual actress, in no way is the optics or any of that good. And then I also think about one scene, um, I believe, and, and this is a, a, like a content warning for, for sexual violence. Um, but there is this one scene where I believe it's after Joffrey's death, um, where Jamie and um, Cersei have sex, and and during that scene, she repeatedly says no, and and Jamie doesn't care, and he continues to have sex with her. And for most of us, I mean, that's rape. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember reading an interview or something where a bunch of the behind the scenes members of the cast who I guess wrote it or directed it or something said, "Oh no, that wasn't that wasn't rape. It was completely consensual." What do you what do you mean when someone brought it up? And everyone kind of looked mm-hmm. at them and said, "What what do you mean? <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't you don't under-. so you Yikes. can definitely tell with and and those are just two examples. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's you can definitely tell and I do think that different plot points or and then there's there's a whole tangent you can go on with sansa and ramsey yep. and theon and that whole just so you can that, yeah. yeah you can definitely tell that women and people of color weren't in the room and you can also tell that it was the actors who knew their characters and understood their characters it goes back to the show succeeding in spite of them because that's pretty harsh to watch and it shouldn't have been in there mm-hmm. yeah that and that's my worry especially with star wars you know how we've made We've made such progress from something like the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy to now include so many different types of people. You know, you have Rose, Jana, Finn, Daisy Ridley, you know, fr- uh, frontlining the cast of this of this new trilogy. And what would worry me is if for the next phase of Star Wars films that we would have gotten to ha- not have that sort of inclusion that we've now made progress with to go backwards. So that's what a D&D trilogy kind of got me scared about is, is are we going to go backwards when Mm -hmm. we've been making so much progress on this sort of thing? And especially with star Wars, it being such a huge intellectual property, they can really set the precedent for hiring women and hiring people of color and including them in like a writer's room or on set or behind the camera or in front of the camera. So Carl, what were your thoughts on, on these two, these two tweets that, that were Mm -hmm. out there? I mean, I totally agree with what the two of you have just said, and they definitely could have benefited from having uh, more diversity in the writing of the scripts. But I also, you know, on the other hand, I think what it showed more to me was just how inexperienced they were at doing this. Um, You know, it, it was not just this. It talked about in the tweets how they were, you know, it was like 
film school every time they were shooting oh, yes. a, a new scene, a new oh, episode. God. You know, it was things they were yeah. learning. They didn't know how to op- work with uh, costumers, and you know, there were some things that seemed negative about it, but also mm-hmm. seemed some positive stuff of how they would let the actors sort of come in and start helping them define the characters and, and show them how they would maybe react. So I think they were getting some collaborativeness with a lot of different people in that way. Um, but they probably, the actors probably still felt they had to defer to the writers, but the positive, I guess the silver lining and some of this is what I'm trying to look at and say, look, if these guys with no experience in this, in this industry or leading um, a, a big production like this, at least. Um, and when I say that, it makes me think, okay, they didn't have a writer's room because they didn't know any better. And if they had, maybe they would have included more. So I kind of give them a break on that part of it. But if these guys can do it, we don't have to go always to a well-known, proven person to necessarily get good quality. And that means that people who have not been able to uh, lead a, a show, be a showrunner, or produce and direct a movie because they are, you know, women or people of color, and they just haven't had as many opportunities. That we don't have to have that. We can still go out there and find people who don't have experience, and we, you know, sure we want to vet them best we can, but we can get people with different viewpoints and go ahead and give them a Star Wars movie instead of waiting till they get, uh, you know, training somewhere else, opportunity somewhere else, mm-hmm. and see if they've proven themselves. Because evidently they're not getting enough chances to prove themselves in those other areas. So let's go ahead and open it up to other people. Um, you know, if, if these guys can be successful, uh, you know, a, a lot of people can be that we maybe haven't thought of. Well, I actually, I actually have to disagree with that. I, I love, so, okay, also for you all and for everyone else, I don't mean to be super cynical. I love <laughs> to be super positive. I really do love Star Wars. I truly love Game of Thrones. Um, but I agree with a really popular uh, opinion that I was seeing on the tweets, and it's that this worked for David and Dan because because they are white. Um and in in a very perfect world and in an ideal world, to me, this would be hopeful because it means that if you don't have as much experience, um, mm-hmm. then then you could have a property this big and and with this much backing and this much money. And mm-hmm. maybe there are exceptions and outliers that have happened in the past, and maybe it's mm-hmm. starting to happen more now. But for for people of color and for women and once again i can't speak for everyone i can only speak to what i know as a black woman mm-hmm. th- that would not happen for a black woman one of the one of the things people do look at when you go to pitch yourself when you go to meetings and things unfortunately is your skin color and i mm-hmm. and from what i have seen with the different media i take in and and the friends that i have and their opinions if a woman, if if a black woman had gone in there with as little experience and with that kind of pitch, she would not have gotten that show. And I don't really think that if a black woman had done that. And so I don't know when Game of Thrones started coming out because I didn't watch it from the beginning. But even today, if a black woman had done that, I still don't really think that she would get that kind of show and that kind of budget. And so it, it's hopefully hopeful, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. there's no way I don't think we're there at all. And I, I agree with you, Gina. Not, you know, yep, when I too. said what I said, what I think and what I was trying to say is I agree with you. Yet they they wouldn't and and you know, D and D got that were probably able to go along up to it. Now I don't think they succeeded with it because they were white, but I think they got the opportunity to succeed because they were white. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then the 
the ultimate product spoke for itself and it had been bad, it would have just been it was bad and it was good and, and, and most a lot of people liked it, so they liked it. So my point is I'm with you. I hope that that's – because I think the thing that is holding Star Wars back at this point as far as having opened it up to more uh, diverse people in charge mm-hmm. is the fact that they are like, well, you know – they're, they're getting these people that are like, okay, I, I've seen these two or three movies as this, this person has done. They've been, you know, given a high budget movie or they've done, you know, some good things with these b- movies on their own. And because they've done these things, now I'm going to give them Star Wars. Uh, at some point, you know, you know, people of color and women are not getting those opportunities even at lower levels. And so mm-hmm. Star Wars can sort of give the excuse, well, they haven't proven themselves. Well, they're not getting the chance to prove themselves. So, you know, Star Wars kind of needs to take a lead and go, we're going to take a chance on somebody. And they can maybe look and say, look, these two guys were successful, even though they didn't have a lot of experience. So if we think somebody is good, we're not going to sit there and go, well, but we they don't have the resume to back it up. Let's go ahead and jump in there because it's we're, the people who are sort of the proving ground areas, they're not really allowing the type of people we want to include. So we're going to have to just go ahead and do it ourselves. So I hope that they would take that and, and go with it. Uh, but, you know, I understand where there's you know being cynical and doubtful of that yeah mm-hmm. and I, I i like the comment that you brought up carl about or the one comment that was made at the panel was they felt like it was a very expensive film school and then mm-hmm. speaking to gina's point you know if there was a, a woman or a person of color who had more experience than benioff and weiss but then benioff and weiss you know get the gig because of of their you know their privilege and entitlement in a yeah. way and then to just kind of treat it like a film school when there's people out there who have been working their butts off, you know, for a long time, yeah. but just aren't getting those opportunities because of, um, you know, because of how they look or because of where they come from, those sorts of things. So I, I do hope mm-hmm. Star Wars breaks down those barriers and, you know, even something like a Deborah Chow now getting to run the entire Obi-Wan series because she did such a good job on The Mandalorian. That's something that really gives me hope. And that came out yeah. a couple of days, you know, after the Feige announcement, which I was like, you know, I saw Feige and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. great. Another instance of this happening in Star Wars. But then <laughs> Deborah Chow gets the gig and I'm like, that's really cool. That's, that's what we need right now in Star Wars. We need more people like, like Deborah Chow and, and Taika Waititi and even Carl Weathers directing some uh, episodes of the mm-hmm. Mandalorian next year. I mean, that's really exciting stuff. So I, you know, I hope we continue to, I hope Star Wars continues to push those, those boundaries and not just give more of the same people those opportunities. So now in terms of what kind of all led to this buildup of the exit uh, of Benioff and Weiss. So we had the ending of Game of Thrones and then we had the Austin Film Festival, which spoke more on that ending and kind of their, their inability to recognize some of the faults or it's just, again, bad optics on their end to say some of these things and people really want after them for it as as we naturally do on twitter they also signed a five-year deal with netflix in august Mm. uh, for 250 million dollars so you take disney who is now coming out with a disney plus streaming service and now they're going to be heading star wars films but then now they're going to a direct competitor in netflix and then now they're gonna help a direct competitor with some some new content. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy was not happy, supposedly, <laughs> and that was reported in The Hollywood Reporter. Apparently, this exit goes back to as early as August when that deal went down. And The Hollywood Reporter article states, Kennedy was not convinced the pair, known for focusing on one project at a time, could develop a sci-fi trilogy while also overseeing film and TV projects at Netflix. Sources say that as the duo shopped for an overall deal over the summer, they told potential suitors that they plan to work on Star Wars concurrently with any projects under their new deal. Mm. So I was actually reading too that 
reportedly that Disney was also in talks as one of the the front runners to land this deal with Benioff and Weiss, but ultimately Netflix was the one that got the deal. So uh, from a business perspective, I don't think this is Kathleen Kennedy being, you know, like an autocratic whatever, you know, regime at Lucasfilm. She's not like, you know, mm-hmm. running everything and, you know, she's the law, all that. I don't believe any of that stuff. This is strictly like a business deal. You know, if, if they were trying to exit them when this when this deal happened, I really don't blame them because it's really tough when you have a, a pair of directors making f- films for your brand and then also making films for a direct competitor. And that doesn't really look good business-wise. And, and also, you know, are they going to do the same thing they did for Game of Thrones where oh, we got Star Wars next, so let's rush Game of Thrones. Are they going to go, oh, well, we got this Netflix deal next, let's rush Star Wars, and then you get the end result that we got with Game of Thrones. So that is worrying, and I think that's why ultimately this happened. So, uh, Carl, what were your thoughts on on this whole Netflix deal when you first heard about it, and do you think this played as large of a part as at least I do? I think this is probably one of the biggest reasonings for this departure. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that, okay, if you're Star Wars and you're you know backed by Disney – you're the top dog. I mean, you're the person, you're the entity that is people should be trying, inspiring to, to work for and, and get to. And it's kind of, especially Star Wars, you know, especially the way these guys, you know, said they were fans of Star Wars. If you get a, a opportunity like that, you don't divert your, in, your attention. At, at the very least, you get the first one in the can and then maybe you go out and try to say, well, and we're going to maybe get another deal going so that we have things to do once this is over. Maybe we can work on that. Um, if we have any sort of downtime between the next two movies, if they were going to do a trilogy, but you don't go ahead before, you know, and you even put them off like, Hey, we got to get through a game of Thrones. And understandably you're like, well, yeah, you've, you've did that first. So go ahead. Yeah. Finish that. But we'll, you know, we're glad to have you after that. And then they don't seem to care about you though, when they're out there before they even started looking for another deal too. So yeah, I think that it's like one is kind of just, uh, seems kind of disrespectful. And two, it does make you worried that can they really focus on all that? You know, $250 million is a lot for them. And so, you know, how much time are they going to have to devote to Netflix to, to earn that? So I, I, I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. I think it is a big reason why if they're no longer working with star Wars. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, on this deal, Gina? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with both of you. I know that we like to think of our favorite movies and our favorite television shows as, you know, just movies and television shows and, and our childhood and whatnot, but it also is about the money, mm. and you have to think about that, so I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird, because you're almost saying, like, or they're almost saying, oh, we got Star Wars, and eh, that's kind of chopped liver for us, you know, we want <laughs> Netflix. Like, how do, you get, how do you get Star Wars? Then you're just like... Oh no, that you know, mm-hmm. whatever. That's not good enough for us. We want more. Yeah, uh, it sounds like they're on the dark side a little bit, honestly. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. So that's just the Jedi and myself thinking that. But yeah, I think this is is largely a reason for this. So obviously, a multitude of factors happening with with this departure. I read an article from Variety, and it was titled "Star Wars: Inside Game of Thrones as Creators Exit and the Pressures Facing Lucasfilm." It was an exclusive article. And the way that this article spun this whole story is there's an issue with leadership at Lucasfilm. They mentioned Josh Trank getting fired in 2015, and he was supposedly developing a Boba Fett project. They mentioned the Chris Miller and Phil Lord being fired from Solo mid-production in June 2017. Tony Gilroy coming in to rewrite part of Rogue One for Gareth Edwards. And then Colin Trevorrow departing from episode nine and then replacing him with J.J. Abrams, that latter of which, thank the Lord. <laughs> and 
there's a lot of stuff happening and you know i think people always like to go after kathleen kennedy's head for some reason and say you know she doesn't know what she's doing she's hiring these people and then she's firing them like make up your mind kathleen kennedy uh to that i will say this woman has made over almost five billion dollars for the star wars brand since you know releasing just four movies Mm -hmm. she's been on uh 70 plus movies that have grossed over 15 billion dollars she's an excellent producer she used to work with spielberg she used to work with george lucas her career is one of the most tenured in all of hollywood i think in fact she might be the most successful producer working in the industry right now So I think it's very easy for people who don't work in the industry or who just report on these things to say, you know, it's an issue with her. She is running one of the most, like she is running the biggest brand in entertainment right now. It is not an easy job and you really got to find the right people. And if, you know, she feels that a certain person or a certain story isn't working for the brand that they want to put out for Star Wars, that is totally her right to Mm -hmm. say no or to hire somebody else that that gets the job done the way she wants it to be seen. And and I think I think she does still understand the creative aspects of Star Wars and and the stories. You know, people I keep hearing people say like she doesn't get the creative side. They should hire like a Dave Filoni to be the creative head. I don't think that's true. I think she still understands the mythology of Star Wars. You know, just because she doesn't read uh, the books as much as we do doesn't mean she's not a, a Star Wars fan or doesn't understand its basic essence. So, what, Gina, what do you think in regards to, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's tenure? Again, I'm a huge fan of her. I will stand by her. That's a hill I will die on. She's the greatest. And what do you think of her making this decision? Is this really speaking to a, a larger problem at Lucasfilm? You know, w- this whole battle between creative freedom and sticking to the company line, as the article put it. Um, or is this just really just business as usual? Yeah, so I'm also uh, of the side that Kathleen Kennedy has produced and helped created so many movies. I don't, I don't at this point get why anyone doubts her. Um, she's responsible for a large chunk of my childhood. Um, she's I, the queen. Come on, yeah, truly, truly. Um, so, I think of the Jon Snow line. She is our queen. Yes, yes. She is my queen. You are my queen. Daenerys is our queen. She is our queen. She'll be a good queen. You are my queen. <laughs> I so when I first heard of all of these in, individuals getting you know hired and fired, I, I was nervous at first. Um, I, I'm I can admit that uh, just because to me firing signals something negative. Um, but I don't remember who I was talking to. Uh, once again, not super familiar with the, the movie industry. Um, but someone was telling me, you notice this because it's Star Wars. And you're into Star Wars. And Star Wars has such a large platform that everyone is watching to see what Lucasfilm does. This happens in the entertainment industry all the time. This happens in movies all the time. People present ideas. Yes. They're not always liked. You know, sometimes you do separate ways. They're, and they, someone was telling me, if you look at scripts for a bunch of movies, oftentimes there are uncredited writers because someone came in at first. And then mm-hmm. so I take my my latest fascination and obsession and love is the, the most recent It movies. And that oh, went through like development for a while and someone else was attached um, to either write or direct the first movie. And then Andy came in. He wasn't even the original person. They went through this like whole entire cast that was already there. Um, and then something didn't work out and we have the movies that we do today. So it happens 
often. And I think that when people get on Kathleen Kennedy for that, I think one, it's because it's Star Wars and it's so iconic and it's so beloved that it's easy to pick on. And two, I honestly think some of those people are just sexist. Yep. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Glad somebody said it. <laughs> Carl, what do, you, what do you think on this? Do you, do you stand with Kathleen Kennedy? I do. And you know who else kind of had the same kind of accusations of uh, having directors and people not be as creatively free as they want to be and towing the company line was Marvel. And they really had, when they first started with Iron Man, they had trouble kind of getting along with directors and directors feeling free to do stuff. Um, you know, John Favreau did Iron Man and Iron Man 2, but he didn't do Iron Man 3. And it was kind of this this battling of, of how much freedom he had to do his. And uh, same thing with um, Joss Whedon with the Avengers and the second Avengers movie. So, um, but the reason that they were doing it is because the, the company itself wanted to be able to say, look, yes, you can do what you want to within the story, but we still need some elements that we want to have this big, long narrative put together. And, you know, in the end, it worked out well. You know, the, and again, the Thor movies, they had different directors for every one. Kenneth Branagh had problems with it. I forget the second director's name. Taika Waititi, but by the time they got to Ragnarok, Taika Waititi came in, and they seemed to, I guess, I don't know, relax a little bit too. The, the, the people in charge, uh, Kevin Feige and such, kind of relaxed a little bit too and said, okay, we're going to let you take in a different direction he's not going to be like like he's you know like it's Shakespeare but we're going to be a little silly with it and it worked out great it was a it was a really successful mm-hmm. movie it's probably the best I would say it's the best of the Thor movies so yeah um, mm-hmm. I love that so much it is and, the best and I kind of wonder you know that's the only thing I, I'm I'm with Kathleen Kennedy I just I just kind of wonder and maybe it's maybe it's not necessarily her but what she thinks how the fans and I can see where we as fans are a certain group of fans may not allow Star Wars to be that loose with different things and have that many different uh, personalities within one genre. But, you know, I would love to have seen the Lord and Miller movie because, you know, they did such, such good things with the Lego and, you know, with, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. So, uh, you know, I just don't know if, you know, if they were, if the, the friction maybe came, you know, I, you heard the report from the set, like they really weren't doing anything. They were goofing off. They were, you know, ad lib and stuff, but I kind of wonder if we were like, well, that's not really Star Wars, so we can't do that. You know, and if that's what she feels, and she feels that people aren't going to follow it, she has every right to do that. But and I think the fans may be holding us back from having someone like a Taika Waititi or Lord Miller do maybe a little bit off the wall, a little bit sillier, not quite straightforward Star Wars, but still be an entertaining movie and still, mm-hmm. in overall, really show its love for Star Wars. I think I just think maybe we're missing that. But as far as Kathleen Kennedy mm-hmm. herself, no, I think the things that they mentioned as far as failures, I mean, I don't see them as failures. You know, if, if you're disagreeing with the direction people are going, then you should part ways. And so the people that have been let go, mm-hmm. that's fine. Tony Gilroy rewriting Gareth Edwards. I mean, okay, but it turned out to be in the end, it was a great movie. It's my second favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. So who cares how the sausage was made? Somebody who was making decisions said, okay, we need to do something else. We're not going to just let it go the way it was. We had some rewrites, and it turned into a great movie. So I, I call that success. I don't call that a problem. So um, I'm yeah. with her. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of Solo, but mm-hmm. I also do love Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Spider-Verse yeah. is one of the best films ever, mm-hmm. and we're getting Spider-Verse 2 now in 2022. Same year as Star Wars. That year is going to be absolutely lit, mm-hmm. and I also am a huge fan of like you know their 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, those films. Mm-hmm. 
So yes, I would definitely love to see them return to the Star Wars universe in some capacity and see what they could do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's enough bad blood between the company and and uh, and and them to do that. I think mm-hmm. Phil Lord actually tweeted out once Benioff and Weiss left, all he tweeted was "Yup." That was all he tweeted. It was at like 1.50 a.m. in the morning. So he was clearly up, you know, reading this announcement. But Marvel's a great example, you know, because they let go Edgar Wright on the Ant-Man project and mm-hmm. Peyton Reed went on to do Ant-Man 1 and 2. And now he just got announced for Ant-Man 3. And that's been very successful. Everybody loves mm-hmm. that character. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Yeah, can I just maybe just sort of add to that, too? You know, you, Taika Waititi is, like you said, directed some of The Mandalorian, and he was even, when that was going on, saying, you know, I can't really be myself when I do it. I have to sort of stay within their lines. And I totally understand that. But at the same time, you know, that's another reason to maybe give opportunities to people um, who are a little more hungry, who don't have as many options. And so maybe they're willing to say, okay, Kathleen Kennedy or whoever, you know, is, is telling me that I need to do certain things within this movie. I will show my personality and then I'll, but I'll also do it within the, the aspects that you sort of map out for me because I want this mm-hmm. opportunity. And when you start getting people like Lord Miller and you get Benioff and Weiss who can write their own ticket, a lot of places. And if they feel like, you know, they want to do things only their way too, um, which might be a mistake. You know, sometimes if you have total control and you don't listen to other people, you might not be going the right way too. So if if they're like, well, since I'm not getting my way totally, I don't want to work. I don't want to do the way you tell me to do it. I'm just going to go off somewhere. That's another reason mm-hmm. to sort of uh, include other people. And again, that gives opportunities for people who are underrepresented in that sort of thing. So I think a lot of this stuff should be working together for them. Let's, let's just get a woman, somebody of color. Let's just get somebody you know, that opportunity, you know, was, I don't know what we're waiting on. I, I want to see a woman direct a star Wars film. I'm mm-hmm. waiting on it anxiously, but I'm very excited for the future of star Wars. I think, and I'm Gina, I want to pitch this question to you. Does Disney plus allow for this creative feed, freedom that we've been wanting? Is this going to allow somebody like a Taika Waititi or a Chris Miller and Phil Lord to make that weird star Wars? You know, is that, is that kind of the right Avenue? Because When you're releasing these films in theaters, the box office speaks, you know, Bob Iger doesn't care about the mythology of Star Wars. He cares about the bottom line. What's the, what are these films making? He's even on record saying, you know, we maybe put out too much too fast. So is Disney plus going to be that pinnacle streaming service where we can really get creative with Star Wars and maybe go off the cuff a little bit than what we're used to? I do, but, and I and I say that, I don't want anyone to think, I mean, oh, Disney Plus is just that little playground where we can just kind of hide things if they don't work out because we only care about, you know, what's in the cinemas and on the big screen. I honestly think how we consume movies and how we can consume television shows is changing. And that at one point, maybe you could say, and, and going to the theater has its pros has its cons it's still fantastic it still is a big stage um but i think that it's not the big giant that it once was Mm -hmm. and and different streaming platforms and television shows is rising and it's just as big and so when i say that having disney plus is a great opportunity i don't mean because we can hide it away if it doesn't work i mean because it's also center stage Yes, excellent distinction there because we should still be taking risks in the movie theater. It's just that maybe we can take even more risks on the streaming service where, yeah, if something fails or it's not received well, doesn't matter because it's not like it failed at the box office. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, we strictly in terms of that box office perspective, you know, a Phil Lord and 
Christopher Miller solo movie might have worked really well on Disney Plus, you know, Mm -hmm. but maybe not in the theater as we saw making only, you know, a couple hundred million dollars, which I feel weird saying that because if I had a couple hundred million dollars, (laughs) I would be living in Hawaii right now, retired, but that's just (laughs) me. So I think a lot of good things are coming for Star Wars. And, And speaking of what's to come for Star Wars, 2022, we have the big question mark. So it was supposed to be the Benioff and Weiss film. Now we don't know what it is. We still know the Ryan Johnson trilogy is in development or as many websites like to somehow keep bringing that story up. It's canceled. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. Stop that for the clicks. But he was speaking to Bang Showbiz and he said, we'll see. I'm still talking to Lucasfilm and they're figuring out what they are doing. We'll see what happens. I'd be thrilled if it happens. I'm working on my own stuff, too. But he later clarified on Entertainment Tonight. He didn't even realize he said if it happens. I guess he was probably just you know speaking <laughs> tongue in cheek, sort of. He just didn't really think about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So the trilogy is still happening. He said that right before this news. So there's a possibility that maybe he slides into that 2022 spot because that might give him enough time to simmer down from Knives Out and maybe start preparing for that next project with Star Wars. What would you guys like to see out of a a, a movie in 2022? Again, my big thing is don't hire another white dude. Let's get somebody else behind the reins. And I know Ryan Johnson is a white dude. However, I think he's produced a really great Star Wars film. And I think he is very willing to um, hire on writers that are diverse and even a director. If he was just producing this next trilogy or whatever, he can hire on a woman director, which is like my dream. If he's producing and there's a woman directing... That would be really cool. I mean, that's like, that would be really awesome, I think. So uh, let's turn it to you first, Carl. What 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 are your hopes for these next few films that we're getting in, in 22, 24, and, and, and 26? Well, I, I agree totally with what you said as far as who, who would be making the movies. And when you were on Unmistakably Star Wars, you mentioned like Ryan Coogler and Alfonso Cuaron. And, and, and so, you know, people yeah. like that. And, you know, Kathleen Bigelow, I don't know if she'd still do something like that. But, you know, people... Like that, I would love to see them do a Star Wars movie because I've loved the movies that they've done in other genres. So, but, you know, I would, you know, if this is really the last of the Skywalker saga, then, you know, taking it somewhere like it was rumored to be, like the uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I I talk a lot about Darth Bane uh, when I'm on my sake with Star Wars. A lot of people talk about Darth Plagueis. I would love to see also maybe something with Ahsoka. Uh, possibly more rebels, maybe you know, seeing Ahsoka mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Sabine looking for uh, in the lost world in, in the lost region. So I would really like to see you know maybe them find Ezra that sort of thing. Uh, I would like to see characters like that as well. So just something that gets you a little bit outside of what we've seen in the movies to date, mm-hmm. and and let's get into a little bit different era. Yeah, yeah. I saw a very hilariously awful article. That was titled, uh, I won't say who it was written by or where it was from, but it was titled, Star Wars should no longer release movies in theaters. What are we going to do without Han, Leia, and Luke on the screen? It's just not going to put enough people in seats. I'm like, Mm. what are you talking about? That is the worst take I've ever heard. But I think, like you said, Carl, let's get some other stuff, because Star Wars is so much bigger than three characters, and that's the exciting Mm -hmm. thing about it. So, Gina, what do you think on on these next projects that that are planned? What would you like to see? for the next phase of Star Wars after we get this uh, long, long three-year break, or as I'll refer to it, the dark times. 
<laughs> I I love this question because I never really got into like the legends or anything. So I I've read a few books, I've read a few comics, but what I know is the films that we were given. And so you have people who've been fans for a long time who are like, we have all these things that I want to go back to, or times we haven't visited, things to 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 revisit. And I'm just like. I just want something new. And so my answer is always just like super vague and normally not satisfying because um, I don't have like a specific <laughs> character I want to bring back or a specific moment I want to bring back. But I I do agree that the, the galaxy is bigger than the Skywalker. So I would like mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. what else is going on. Yep. Give us a love story set in the Old Republic. You know, I I keep hearing of uh, Bashilla Shan. I'm probably butchering that name. And if you're out there and you love Knights of the Old Republic, I am so sorry. And then you have the Darth Raven, Revan love story, I guess. There's something between those two characters I've I've heard. I feel like an old person when I say that. I'm like, I heard the kids talking about this Darth <laughs> Revan guy. But if we get like another love story set within the scope of the fall of the Sith army and the rule of two being created and then the Jedi creating the New Republic, that would be really awesome. And then exploring how the Force was created within that realm as well. Hmm. I think would would really open up the doors for a lot of of new mythology in Star Wars, but also tapping into what makes it so special. Now, where do you guys think Kevin Feige fits into all this? He's kind of the big mystery box of of all this news that's been happening. You know, is is was he hired on because they knew they knew Benioff and Weiss were coming off of Star Wars? Is that why they brought him on, or is he simply kind of there because he's been successful at Marvel and they're thinking, hey, maybe we can pull a few pointers from him? Uh, as we move into this next 10 years of Star Wars, or is this going to be his next film in 2022? What do you, what do you think, Carl? Well, I hope it's, um, as you said, that he has maybe give some tips and pointers. Um, I still want Kathleen Kennedy in charge, but what I, what I really want to pull over from the Marvel era into Star Wars is let's make these movies, you know, let's not necessarily make it a trilogy. Let's make, lots of different movies and like the question you just asked and Gina's like, I don't know. I want something different. And then I had a different answer and you had different answers. The answer to keeping people happy with that, I think is volume because when you, when you wait three years and you get one movie, it's not going to appeal to everybody exactly what they're wanting. And so when people are sort of, it's almost like different clicks or people are fighting over what the movie is going to be because there's so few of them. Whereas in Marvel, you know, there's lots of characters. Thor was not a favorite character of mine. Doctor Strange was not a favorite character of mine. But I didn't regret those movies being made because I knew the ones that I cared about more were being made also. And then when I saw those movies, um, Doctor Strange was a really good movie. Uh, Thor was better than I thought it would be. I really didn't have much uh, hope for it. And then, of course, you got Ragnarok out of it, which is one of my favorites there. So I think that, you know, if if they get to where they can sort of see let's get a big picture of where we want to go and then we can make these different movies and again i think it also helps with like you know when we when i watched um the last jedi it filmed like half the movie was like where'd you got to cram these characters in because we're contractually obligated to use these characters and again back to the marvel scope well we just throw them here in and out and if we don't need them we don't need them like phasma for instance if we didn't Mm -hmm. need her Let's not just kill her off in the second one. Let's give her her own movie doing something else, an adventure that maybe has something that can tie into the big picture as opposed to wasting a, a character that a lot of people are excited about. So I just hope it's maybe something like that, that he's just going to give them what he did or what what the obstacles maybe he overcame at the beginning, um, what mm-hmm. the goal was, how they planned it all out together as one big group, and, and that Kathleen Kennedy takes that and runs with it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about you, Gina? 
Uh, well, it took me a long time to wrap my head around Kevin Feige just because the way <laughs> the particular because I'm a, I'm an MCU fan. I do like the Marvel movies. Yes, but the way me that too. the article I read like phrased it. They phrased it like, oh, Star Wars is in trouble. Marvel's doing real great. Kevin Feige's coming in to save the day. And I was like, mm-hmm. is Star Wars in trouble? <laughs> is it really? Um, right. But I, I do agree with Carl. One of the things that I really like about um, Marvel movies is that they all tie in when you're doing the big Avengers film. But Thor Ragnarok doesn't feel like Iron Man 3 doesn't feel like Black Panther. We mm-hmm. can have different genres. And I know people who have like... Like, my sister's best friend only went to go see Endgame because she saw Black Panther. She only went to go see Infinity War and Endgame because she saw Black Panther. She was like, oh, I like this. I have to know what happens to T'Challa. So I'm going to go see these (laughs) other ones, you know? Or people have like, oh, I own, like, I have a friend who, like, essentially only follows the Captain America stories. And so anyone he's in, Mm -hmm. she's the So I do like that the differing perspectives and the different types of genres in it. It does get different people. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, even if we get some movies on Disney+, Plus, maybe that could help build more of the shared universe. So again, even if you don't want to take risk with a Phasma, new, a Phasma movie in theaters, you can put it on Disney+, Plus, like you said, Carl. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a way to explore that character more that people wanted more of, but doesn't, didn't necessarily get. Right. There's a lot that could happen with Star Wars. And, and I'm kind of bummed we have to wait so long, but hopefully there are enough books and enough television to to keep us occupied on our couches for those three years mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna be a tough time but i know once we get through the thick of it we're gonna get back in our seats in that theater and in 2022 and whatever we're gonna be given is gonna be pretty special now we did get one question from ro gazga he's at the scarif scuttlebutt podcast but We've kind of already answered this, but I wanted to address it because it was the only question I got. (laughs) Hey, if you're out there, every episode, we take on questions from listeners. So make sure you send in your questions. You can email them in, audio version of it, to friendsoftheforestpodcast at gmail.com. So let's get some more questions in for, for next week. But he asks, might be controversial, but they landed Game of Thrones due to family father favors basically without any experience. They drew from source material on the HBO series. But when that dried up, arguably the boat started to sink. Some are saying Star Wars fans dodged a bullet. Thoughts? My answer, short answer, is yes. We dodged a bullet. What about you two? Did we dodge a bullet? If we could dodge a wrench, we can dodge a bullet. <laughs> we can dodge a ball. We do all of it. Yeah, at its most basic and simplest, yeah, we did. Yeah, I think so too. Thank the maker. Thank the maker. That's all I can say. I saw this news. Let's give some more opportunities to other folks out there to make a Star Wars movie. I want to see what somebody else can do. I want to see what a Ryan Coogler can do. Yes. I want to see what an Alfonso Cuaron could do. Yes. I would actually love an Alfonso Cuaron movie. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Prisoner of Azkaban is one of the best Harry Potter um, movies, in my opinion. Gravity is beautiful. Yeah. If he can do that in Star Wars, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm all in. So. I think at the end of the day, for me to wrap up my thoughts on this episode, and I'd like you guys to give your little, you know, 30 second, whatever elevator pitch of your thoughts. But I think this was good for Star Wars. I think this was the right move. I'm surprised at how early it happened, especially before the rise of Skywalker. But it almost feels like it's already being swept under the rug. You know, it's it's like old news with this movie coming out. And I think that was their intention. So let's get more diverse people in the Star Wars, behind the camera, in front of the camera, in those writers' rooms. Let's have a writers' room, most importantly. <laughs> and you know, I think Kathleen Kennedy's job is safe. If she decides to ever leave Lucasfilm, that's going to be on her own terms. Bob Iger is never going to give her uh, the boot. I don't think that will ever happen. He, she's done great things 
for Disney and for Lucasfilm for so long. She's she's safe. She's our queen. And uh, there's a lot of good things to look forward to for Star Wars. And I think this is just the beginning. What about you, Gina? What's your send-off speech? My send-off speech is I love Game of Thrones. I love Star Wars. <laughs> it is okay for us to have creative differences and get who we need for the project. There are plenty of qualified black people of color, LGBTQ plus individuals. Give them a chance. And lastly, but not leastly, Carl, <laughs> what are your final thoughts? Well, I don't know if either one of you guys are fans of The Good Place, but I, I watched that show oh. and I was listened to the podcast and, and Mike sure, okay, again, white dude in charge, but you know, you listen to the podcast, you listen to the people behind the scenes, and it's like fifty percent women, fifty percent people of color. There's all kinds of diversity and, and ideas back there. And then he also um they, I've heard him talking about on the latest season, people who were not hadn't directed yet but had other jobs, he would move up to director. So uh, we just need more of that sort of thing where okay, if we're not having it, the people in charge need to be cultivating it so that it, it comes sooner rather than later. The Good Place is fantastic. Get Ted oh. Danson in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole cast. Let's just do a, a Mike Sure comedy Star Wars movie. Oh, my God. They should do a, like a comedy or like a, how Family Guy did a Star Wars episode. They should yeah. do a Star Wars episode for The Good Place. I would I would absolutely <laughs> love that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh yeah. It's in my head now. I can't get it out. Now but... I'm, I'm going to add The Good Place to my watch list now. Oh, I guess you got I have to. to watch oh, it. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you know, know anything about it? It's so good. I know nothing about okay. The Good Place. Don't. Look, don't read, don't get through the first season, don't don't read the synopsis before you just play it. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the end of the first season, yeah. you will you will you will call us and go, Y'all are right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's our Friends of Force and unmistakably Star Wars official stamp of approval for the good place. It mm-hmm. is one of the best comedies on TV right mm-hmm. now, aside yep. from Brooklyn Nine Nine and Barry, which Gina, you just watched Barry recently. Like my new we favorite stand. show. It's my new favorite show. I love it. <laughs> Oh, and, and Tia, so Tia Sarkar Tia, Tia is also in Good Place, too, so we got a little Star yes. Wars crossing there, too. Yes, yep, exactly. Well, this is a fun episode. I think we had a really great and important conversation around this topic. I knew there would be a ton to talk about with it. It's not just a simple firing or quitting. There mm-hmm. is a lot of moving parts within it, and I think we really tackled it in a, a great fashion and i think we addressed a lot of different underlying issues and that was that's exciting i think it's important to talk about these things and to not just ignore you know these sorts of topics and it needs to be addressed and you guys did an awesome job so i thank you for coming on my podcast today on on friends of the force and uh where can people find you two on on the twitterverse if they want to hear more of your delightful opinions well, usually you can just find us uh, mostly on Unmistakably Star Wars. Um, I had written a few articles there before. I show up on the podcast about every other week. Uh, but also, if you just want to see me on Twitter, it's at Hassler Carl. I, too, am on Unmistakably Star Wars, show up on the podcast, have written a few articles. I had to look it up because I just like got a new Twitter account. So my new handle is Gina Sanders and then an underscore. Perfect. Well, make sure if you're not already following Unmistakably Star Wars, you go do that right now, as well as follow Gina and Carl on Twitter. The podcast is great. I was on it one time, and they just recently completed their 200th episode, which is exciting. Now, as for here on Friends of the Forest, I did mention that if you have any questions or anything that you want answered on the show, you can send us an email at friendsoftheforestpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an audio clip or a question in writing that you have. This week, I did get an email from Royal Farm Boy Anthony, who was one of our patrons at Friends of the Force, and he had a message that I'd like to share. 
I do, Brad. It's Anthony, real farm boy. I was listening to your last show. Uh, near the end, you asked if listeners had anything maybe they want to pass along. Send to the show. Oh, for myself, yeah, I do. I have a favor to ask. And it's not one for myself. It's one for one of our Star Wars friends. And I know he's a listener. And he's also Patreon of the show. As am I. And I'm talking about Michael Condon. We know him in that Twitterverse as 2Med2. And the favor I want to ask in Michael's place is he's got an idea coming up. He's got a small YouTube channel that... Lately, he's been starting to do live shows and unboxings and things. But the idea he's got is come next celebration, he wants to do live streams while he's at celebration for those of us, like myself, not going. And what he's thinking in order to do that is he's asking for folks to go to his little YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Two clicks, real quick, gets it done. And his aim and his thinkings get to thousand subscribers, and he's sitting just below 400. So, other friends of the force, listeners like myself, please go to Michael's YouTube channel, Two Med Two, spelled T-O-O-M-E-D-T-O-O. Hit that subscribe button stop by when he starts doing his live chats because live chats are a dang lot of fun I am fixing to get hooked up into a bunch and I'll go out and tag some friends in the Twitterverse let you know when they're happening come talk Star Wars with us all together in real time so that's all I wanted to ask and I look forward to every next Friends of the Four Show, come in my playlist. And until next one, Brad, and whomever else you may have on with you, Miss Sarah, may the Force be with you, my Star Wars friends. See you on the radio. Thank you, Anthony, for that message. Uh, you know, again, here at Friends of the Force, we like to spread the positivity and we like to be there for each other as friends do. So go follow our fellow patron, Michael Tomb 2, on Twitter. He's in YouTube. He's trying to reach that thousand. Uh, follower mark now as for here at friends of the forest you can follow us at friends of force on twitter and friends of the force on instagram you can follow me at brad whipple personally where i post memes and spaghetti tweets all those good things and make sure to wherever you're listening to review the podcast give it five stars that helps other people find the show and it really really helps grow the network Speaking of networks, we are a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods network along with Gina and Carl. That is at We Are Escape Pods, promoting positivity and fandom. And you can join our Patreon starting at just $1 a month. That's patreon.com slash friends of the force. Thank you to our current patrons, Alderanian Rose, Neil Lowry, Rural Farm Boy, Chris from Kentucky, Michael Condon, and T. That is all for this episode of Friends of the Force, episode number 23. We will see you later this week for our Resistance review with Sarah Haas and a From a Certain Point of View episode as well. We are all ones with the Force. We are all friends of the Force, and may the Force be with you always. <laughs>